Episode 299, Critical Thinking is the Biggest Clue. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators Podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're going to hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Hey, Elite Educators, Gretchen here of Always a Lesson, host of the Empowering Educators podcast. I'm excited to be in your ear talking about the importance of critical thinking, both in our classrooms, in our school buildings, and we're going to be discussing this for ourselves and students. So whether you're a teacher or a leader, you need this one, and don't be shy sharing it with your colleagues, your friends, and your family, because it certainly impacts each and every one of us. So I'll share some stories a lesson, because I can't help it, and then some practical tips to help you put it all into action. Well, it is so good to be back on the mic. I hope you've enjoyed our summer series. I want you to know I handpick these guests. I get numerous emails asking if I can have someone on the show, and they're all wonderful people that have lots of degrees, but I really love people in the trenches, doing the thing, willing to share their story and their tips with you. So I had this summer some old friends, some new friends, some talented leaders in the field. So thank you, Melissa Morrison, Casey Watts, Courtney Tate, Michelle Rui, Ashley Hubner, Heidi Davis, Jonna Lee, Laura Williams, and Sam Shields. So go back and listen. You can follow those edgy leaders on social media. You can grow your PLN. We all have value to share. And so I bet one of them resonated with you and can continue to help you hone your craft. So please go connect with them. And guess what? Episode 300. I can't even believe I'm saying that. 300 is coming. When I started this so long ago, I had no idea how long it was going to last. Honestly, like a week, a month is this the new fad. And I love talking to you. And I think it's so helpful since your schedules are so busy and you can't always read the blog just to put in your earbuds on your way to work or while you're exercising or doing chores. For me, grocery shopping, love listening to podcasts while I'm doing that. It's just been another avenue to continue to grow myself and then share those lessons with you. So I'm going to feature my former coach, Linda Rhine, in that upcoming episode and we'll celebrate the milestone. So thanks those of you who have contributed to the episode And there's still time if you want to hop in and share with me what your favorite episode was, what's your biggest takeaway from the podcast, or just send congratulations. You can either say it in a voice message or type it out to Gretchen at alwaysalesson.com. So let's dive into this episode. If you've been listening for a while, I always give you the rationale. And I hope that you're doing that when you're working with teachers or working with students. You're allowing them to know why is this so important? Why am I taking time? 
to discuss this with you. So I'm going to share some silly personal examples and transition into how this impacts our work and then leave you with action steps. That's how I do. And so all I can tell you is critical thinking and lack of critical thinking is literally everywhere. It's all around us. It's me. It's you. It's them. It's everyone. Uh, So please don't think I'm crazy as I'm telling you these silly instances. And you might be like, wow, you're really a tough critic. Or you might say, who cares? Or you might say, "Uh, I think you're a bit obsessed. (laughs) You know, but it's like, once you start noticing, you can't not you can't not see it, right? So the biggest one that is absolutely driving me crazy, is we have this app called Bambino. And I can get a babysitter on there by just putting in this is the date and the time I need. And it shows me all the babysitters in my area. And I can click the ones that after I read their bio, like, okay, these all sound great, and it sends it off to them. And then they can accept it or decline it. If they accept it, it comes back to me. It's like, here's all the people that are available and willing to do it. And then I can pick one and book it. And it's just so nice. I don't have to call a million people. It's all automated. Takes a few seconds. Well, (laughs) we are beyond the phase of needing to pay someone a million dollars, what it feels like, because I have three kids. And my youngest, you know, there was diapers and bottles and all that. So I was willing to pay a pretty penny because you're caring for three kids and one needs a lot of attention and obviously a lot of care. But as they've gotten older now, I'm like, okay, I don't need to spend 20 some dollars an hour, which is just crazy to me. Um, I can, you know, do the average of 10, 11, 12. And every time I decide to go with a cheaper rate, my husband always looks at me and say, you get what you pay for. And I'm like, okay. He's like, you're not going to get a a house that's super clean. They're not going to be doing educational activities with your kids. Like these are just truly babysitters trying to make money. They're not like educators getting their degree, like love kids. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like prepping myself. Well, there's an instance, no matter which babysitter I had, I would say this happens 70% of the time, which is way too big of a percentage for me. I asked you to come to my house to babysit because I have to leave. And so they park in the driveway. And I'm thinking to myself, you're blocking me in. Like, I need to get out, which is why you're here. Why are you parking where I need to get out? And I started thinking back to myself, like when I was babysitting, I was like, did I park in the street? Did I park in the driveway? And I remembered asking people, is where I parked okay? And so maybe it's more developmental than it is anything, or maybe we're just consumed with like, I got to get there on time. And we're not thinking about the fact, the obvious fact that, oh, I'm pulling in the driveway and that person has to leave this driveway. And there's, it's a single, it's a long driveway, but it's a single, like you can't get around somebody. And I can't believe how many people do this. And I'm, as soon as I see it happen, I said, Adam, (laughs) that's my husband. I don't know that we can have this person babysit because if they do that one thing, That's a lack of critical thinking. What's going to happen when you're caring for my kid and you're using the microwave or the stove or Lord knows what happens? And it makes matters worse. Sometimes I'll come home and like the diapers on backwards. I'm like, I get it. Like you, you don't work with babies all the time. Maybe you don't have younger siblings. You don't really know. You're just excited to have a job. You have a phone. Just like Google it, like how to put on a diaper. One babysitter who also parked in the driveway couldn't find the laundry basket in my son's room. So she just like left the dirty clothes on the floor randomly. And I'm like, (sighs) like, if you just left it and forgot, fine. But she told me like, I wasn't sure where the laundry basket was. And so I'm like, okay, most laundry baskets are probably in a closet. So I'm gonna walk in the closet and see if it's an obvious location. Maybe it's my fault. 
And nope, there was this laundry basket that could maybe be a toy basket basket if it was empty. But no, there was dirty clothes in there. So I'm like, no, that's pretty obvious. So I'm like trying to give them points, but I'm also just like, man, and these are different people. It's not like I keep hiring the same person. And then one at our last house, she's like, well, I couldn't let the dog out because I couldn't figure out how to unlock the door. I'm like, oh, what's wrong with the lock? So I go over there and I unlock it. And she's like, oh, weird. It just wouldn't work for me. I'm like, hmm. It wasn't a sticking lock. It was a normal, like, just turn it to the left thing. And I'm like, oh, boy. (laughs) "Ah!" And this is what the evidence I see. So there's no telling what's happened while I was gone. And my kids are too young to know, you know. But it's like, man, if, if there's these little things... It's only the tip of the iceberg. And that's why I want to talk about this with you because critical thinking is the biggest clue of like what's to come. And so if you start noticing these little things, especially those of you who do interviews for teachers, you're like, huh, that was a little odd or like, hmm, that didn't sit well. Or or it's just like you chalk it up to nothing or you make an excuse, but it always come back around again in some other way. So another example is my husband is getting employees into the company through an onboarding process. And there are older employees who have been there a long time. And I guess seniority, they feel like they can, you know, have some flexibility. So they're tardy or they call out or they need to leave early. And the excuses are just like, you're kidding. You're kidding. Like, there's no way that's actually happening. Or really, you couldn't find another option. There was no other workaround. Like, that just seems very much like, oh, I have a conflict. I just can't do it. You know, like... This is your priority is is getting here. And yes, you have to have a doctor's appointment or you got to go to the grocery store or whatever the craziness was. It's like, I'm sure there's another opportunity here. We could have thought things through a little different. And so he's going through hiring some new folks because I told him like, listen, critical thinking is going to continue to come up. And these people have a very important job. They're, they're doing a lot of coding with patient information like their brains need to be firing on all cylinders. And so if you're noticing like this lack of judgment or they're unable to problem solve or just they're not motivated to like figure it out, you know, they're just like, well, roadblock, I just got to stop here. You know, it's only going to come out worse. So another example, I was at the grocery store and someone wanted my parking spot. And so I'm trying to pull out, but I now cannot get around them for them to get in my parking spot. They are dead center in the aisle of the of the parking lot. I can't go around them to the left. I cannot go around them to the right because they are dead center. And I'm like, dude, if if you want my spot, you've got to get out of the way so I can get out so you can get in. Like you're just a sitting duck. And now I'm a sitting duck because now we're both (laughs) stuck here. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world are there people like this out there? But you wouldn't believe it once you start noticing how many of them there are. And sometimes you look at your own behavior and you're like, yeah, whoop, I'm that crazy person today. Like I lack of judgment or I'm tired or I'm uh, especially when I had little, little kids, I was just so sleep deprived. There's no telling what I was doing out on the road, you know, so I do try and have some sort of grace or like, oh, they're distracted or oh, they're on the phone, you know, and then you look at them and it's like, nope, nope, there's a, there, no alarm bells are going off. They are, <laughs> they're not getting it. Uh, another example, I took my daughter to Taco Bell. She, that was my favorite restaurant growing up. 
I say restaurant, I mean, you know what I mean. And she's like, oh, I, I kind of like tacos now before it's deconstructed. Nothing could touch. She liked the meat. She liked the tortilla and the cheese, but don't put them together. So finally, we were eating them together. I'm like, we should go try this place called Taco Bell. And so we're going in and it's locked. But I see people working there and I'm like, okay, so maybe it opens a little later. Maybe we're here a little earlier. And I'm bummed because we, we came a little early before picking everybody else up to have time together. And I see that the drive through is fine. It's working. So I'm like, okay, we are just going to get it. And then we can just eat in the car because it was just so hot here in North Carolina. Like we could not sit outside. And um, she was bummed and whatever. And so I got up to the window and I just couldn't help myself. I just, I needed to know what was going on. <laughs> I was like, hey, we were trying to come in and have some mother-daughter time. Uh, but it was locked. And he's like, well, yeah, people don't show up for their shift. And it's just me back here. I can't do both. I'm like, oh, man, I totally get it. That really stinks. I'm sorry that happened to you. I would have made the same decision, whatever. And so he calms down and delivers our food and all as well. So we're sitting in the parking lot eating and what, you know what, 20 people trying to walk in, looking around, confused. They see somebody, it's locked. And so I'm like rolling down the window. I'm like, he's open. Like, just go to the drive-thru. I'm like, I'm saving this man's business because these people are pissed and they're just going to be walking off and you're, you lost your business. And I'm like, how easy would it have been to just make a sign? Like, it doesn't have to be printed. Like, it could even be on a napkin with a Sharpie, but like... Uh, can't open, like minimal staff, come to the drive-thru or something. People would be like, okay, I, I actually th- sympathize with that because that is very frustrating. You know, and now you've got customers who are willing to help you and they're willing to be more flexible because they understand what's going on. But by not notifying them, it's just this blank door just locked. It's like, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> why can't people come in? It's supposed to be open. It's working hours. Just put up a sign. All right, the last personal silly example, you're probably bored of this already, and you're getting the point. I was on Instagram, which is now my favorite place to hang, and there was this meme of do not pass wet paint. And so it's on a road, and the middle line was wet. And so this one car thought, I'm going to overcompensate, and I'm going to go to the right that way I have plenty of room. My tire's not going to touch the middle lane. Well, as you know, also on the road, there is paint on the right-hand side. And so both were wet. And so now this person is so over so much on the right. They are literally riding the line that is also wet. And so it's like wet paint. Don't go over the edge. Like don't cross the lines. And so, oh, I'm going to avoid this line over here. But this line must be fine. And their whole tire was completely white paint and it's sputtering up onto the back of their car. And it's like another example of like, dude, <laughs> come on. It even told you a big sign. Oh, golly. Hey, y'all popping in here real quick to remind you if you are loving the podcast, hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they too can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. So let's transition here. Professional examples. Why does this matter? What does this all have to do? Yes, you probably are like, you are a weird human. It doesn't matter. Leave people alone. Let them be them. Like, get off of it. But I can't because 
of how I was trained and I had never really thought about critical thinking much. I just assumed like some people's brains work different. They're really smart. They're um, like high level people. The rest of us are just trying to have a good time and enjoy life. Like you don't have to be, you know, on all the time. Well, as I've started training teachers and being part of the hiring process, like reading your essays, interviewing you, placing you at different schools and stuff, man, is critical thinking so evident. And I'm so glad that they taught me. So I was working for a nationwide nonprofit called the New Teacher Project, TNTP, you might have heard of it. And they actually had a rubric, like a big indicator for future success was critical thinking. Like, can you think through problems? And you wouldn't believe it, like just in the interview process, how many people were flagged as like, "Mm, you know, I don't know that this is going to work out in the long run, nice person, they have all the degrees they need to have, like everything was well written. But when it came time to think, they didn't quite have it, which means when I put you in a classroom, and we all know this, things don't go as planned. So yeah, you can write this amazing lesson plan, but can you execute and can you deal with stuff that's coming up in the moment from the right and the left and in front of you all at the same time while a fire drill is happening? And now we've got lockdown drills, so things are getting real elevated. And it's like, if you can't problem solve quickly with safety as number one priority, I can't have you in front of kids. I just, it's not going to happen. So I learned a lot from hiring both teachers and principals and and the now instructional coaches. And, you know, critical thinking is is so essential. So some folks just do the helpless thing, throw up their hands like, well, this isn't going to work, so I just won't do it. And, you know, or some are like, I don't know how to do this. I'm just going to go find someone else who can and do it for me, which is like, well, you semi solved your problem. But really, at the end, you're just as bad off as you were before because you still don't know how to do it. Right. And then people would email constantly with, oh, I can't download this file or or the training or I can't read this or I left my book at home because we would use Teach Like a Champion techniques. They had to read and then they'd come and we'd facilitate practice rounds and then we'd implement it in plans the next day. And it's just like, dude, (laughs) just take a second, take a breath, think through this. Okay, you don't have your book. Okay, you can't download. Like, what's the next step? Right? It's it's not like we're just going to stop. We're not helpless. We all have brains. We're all capable. But it's like, do we apply ourselves in that way? And so no matter how many years we've taught, we've experienced every situation possible. No, it's not like that. Just because you've taught a million years, there's still going to be things that come up. There will be new situations. And you don't have the skills and the tools. And so I'm not asking everyone to always know what to do. I'm asking you to be willing to figure it out and to think. And it's going to fail and it's going to be wrong and you got to think again. And then you got to try that out. And when it fails, you got to think again. We just have to be willing to do the work of thinking and not just let me. I know I was talking about Googling before, but it's like, let me just Google that answer. Let me just ask somebody else. And it's like, just stop a minute. Like, you're capable. You've been hired. Like, let's just think this through. You got this. And through time, The more we expect people to think and we help them build that muscle of how to think and problem solve, the easier it's going to be for them when they get in these rocky situations. They are going to survive. It's a survival thing. Like it's a life skill to be able to critically think. And here I am thinking, okay, we got to help kids do this. And then I'm noticing all these adults. I'm like, wait a minute. How am I expecting them to teach these kids about critical thinking when they themselves are struggling with it? And I can think back to so many examples of me growing up where my critical thinking was very low 
And you know what? And I'll also say it wasn't activated because obviously I'm a critical thinker now and I didn't have to put much time and effort into it. I just had to be more conscious of it. And I had to say to myself, you can do this. I'm confident that you can figure it out and get out of this sticky situation. Stop panicking. Stop making excuses. Get up and figure it out, right? And and so we got to hold ourselves accountable first. And then when we're doing this, it's modeling it for kids, how we think through problems. Technology is going to go out in your lesson or during a staff PD, it's going to happen. Like that's the perfect moment watching you problem solve and think out loud. Okay, let's try this. Let's do this. Let's pivot. Let's do this instead. I'm going to move these activities around and while I work on this and When adults are watching you do that, they're then saying, oh, that was good thinking or, oh, okay, I could have probably done that, right? But it's like, if we're never talking about thinking, no one's going to be aware of where they are on that continuum of how critical am I allowing myself to think. And the worst of these, and you've seen this, I know you have, is the reply all function in an email. (laughs) One time in my district, people were replying all to this email from like the biggest, biggest superintendent, because we have such a huge district, we got like these mini superintendents and whatnot. And they hit reply all and they were it was like conversations back and forth reply all. And this was going to like hundreds of 1000s of people. I'm like, Oh, my God, make it stop. Make it stop. And then people are replying all telling them to stop replying all. And I'm like, y'all, this is getting out of hand. Just delete. Don't even read them. Move on with your day. It's time sucking. It's not adding any value. <laughs> like, But that needs to be part of um, some of our professional development on uh, email etiquette, right? Or the copy machine breaking. And you just leave and it's like, I didn't have time to fix it. Well, I'm not asking you to fix it, but maybe we should alert someone. Maybe we could put up a sign. Maybe we could do some quick checks. You know, like there should be a checklist next to the copier that's like, is it not working? Look here. Look here for a jam. Open this thing. Okay, still nothing. All right, write a note. Let everyone know whatever. But like you have to take some accountability for solving, right? I know staff is late. I've been late myself. There's sometimes it is just the craziest unicorn reason, but a lot of times it's just poor planning. So they're late because XYZ. And it's not so much that you're late. It's what are you doing when you know you're you're late? Are you calling your colleagues to have them get things ready for you? Are you calling a meeting or changing the time? Are you calling in virtually to lead something? Like it's more not about the problem that's happening. It's about what you're doing to solve it. You're not helpless when you're late in a car and traffic. There are things that you can do to get things in motion, to alert people who can help. And hopefully you had everything ready to go the day before, which is another lesson. And people can just pick it up until you can get there. Um, Hopefully that's not always going to be available. But what I'm trying to get across here is everyone is going to have an obstacle, a problem, some sort of frustration. And it's not about how big that thing is. It's about how you're reacting to it, right? If you're flying off the handle and you're spending all your time talking about your problems instead of calming down, taking a breath and thinking about what's one thing I can do right now to make this less worse (laughs) in the long run, right? So there's teachers on, on my team who couldn't find the lesson materials. So they would just wing stuff, the most random lesson. 
And then kids would be talking at the end because they ran out. I'm like, hey, how things go? Do you need help with anything? Like, oh, I just couldn't find that that paper. So I started teaching something else. And then we were kind of done. So and I'm thinking to myself, you have got to be kidding me. Like, just run over here and be like, I can't find my materials or I'll give you mine. And I'll look for them whilst I get something else going. Like, come on, <laughs> like do something. I could go on and on. I know y'all are so bored of these examples and you probably think I'm just like so hard on people. And I promise you, it's just been something I was alerted to and now I can't not see it. And it's like this big red flashing sign. <sighs> I mean, when we go to restaurants, I mean, it's just everywhere. And once you start, I bet you will now looking at it, you're like, oh, bless it. That's what we say in the South. Oh, bless it. So critical thinking is the biggest clue. That's why I titled this podcast episode that because the little examples of the missed opportunity to critically think to move towards a solution alert us that there is some underdeveloped mental process that later is going to show up in a bigger, worse way and is going to have even more unfortunate consequences. And so if we can catch it now and we can have conversations with folks or catch it in ourselves and start being more aware and forcing ourselves to take a few more steps by ourselves, thinking through before alerting, you know, the media, <laughs> um, then we're going to be able to start kind of getting out of this mess of critical thinking and well, lack thereof, really. So I hate to get on my soapbox because I've been on it for quite some time, but we've got to teach kids and adults how to think. Observe your surroundings. Recall any of the prior experiences that you've had. Have I been in a similar situation? What did I do when that happened? Use some deductive reasoning. That's not going to work. This probably won't be an effective solution. You know, kind of weed out some of the options and then just problem solving, just trying it like it's not going to work perfectly and you don't have to have the plan perfectly thought out, but you got to just try it, right? And if it doesn't work, you try something else. You've just got to be willing to take the steps to move forward through this problem. It's a literal process and it needs repetitive practice to build as a habit. And we have to think no matter the problem, whether you know how to solve it because you've had that same problem before, that doesn't matter. It's all about how you approach the thinking process, you know, people that just like roll up their sleeves, they're going to try all sorts of things until they find a solution. Like we all have that one friend and we just call them and they're like, I'll tinker around with this. I'll figure it out. Or like, gosh, I really need advice. I'm sure they have something to say and they'll help you figure it out. The thing is, we can all be that person. We are all capable of being that person. So why aren't we? Why don't we rely on ourselves? Why don't we hold ourselves to that higher standard? It's not that we're not smart enough. It's not that we don't know how to do it. We're not willing to try and fail and try and fail. That's part of the process. That's how you learn stuff. <laughs> it really is. I just recently wrote a blog post about guiding questions to help students and adults think. You know, when we when we know how to prompt a learner, whether it's a student or a colleague, towards this productive path of resolution, not only do we empower them, but they start to develop the habit to move through the obstacles much more quickly next time. And they can avoid the rabbit holes that start to surface. And that gets really frustrating, um, but it never gets to the root of the issue. And so by developing these guiding questions, not only is this helpful for you to get to the root, but it allows them to like, oh, yeah, 
we went through these sequence before. I kind of know what to think next, or this is familiar, or I got it now. Like, let me do the rest myself. Um, that blog post is going to come out later this month. Um, so if you're listening to this in the future, you can just go to the show notes episode here, and I'll have the link to that blog post. It's going to be really helpful for you. But we have to help students notice and wonder and problem solve. It's absolutely critical, literally critical thinking. It's critical. But we can't help them to develop that skill if we are lacking it ourselves. So I'm not talking again about lapse of judgment or you just have a brain breakdown for a second because we've all been there. We're tired. We're overwhelmed. Um, But I'm talking about when you're just never able to work a problem. And we all can think of a colleague who's just not willing to just think about it for a second. And so us adults should be masters of critical thinking with all that we encounter on a daily basis. Those of us in schools put out a million fires a day. We're problem solving. So it's not an issue of we can't critically think. It's are we practicing critical thinking enough to get really good at it, really efficient at solving problems and doing it efficiently and coming up with good solutions. So whether it's laziness or you're just not interested in like doing the heavy thinking, it's essential. We got to model it to kids. We got to expect it of kids and we have to expect it of ourselves. So let's move into the action. You've heard my stories. You've heard my spiel. And now it's time to like, what are we going to do? So first thing is prompt. When my kids at home approach me and they're like, help, help, I always say to them, stop. What is the problem? And then they tell me what the problem was. And so then I would say, what might be a good first step to solve this problem? And in the beginning, they were just so helpless. I don't know. I don't know. Just tell me. Just give me the answer. Just tell me what to do or just do it for me. But the more I would stand right alongside them when they were having these problems and prompt them with the next question and what might you try next Or why do you think that didn't work? What do we need to try? Helping them think through the viability of a solution that they were proposing to me, they start to get the hang of it. And then you start to see them thinking for themselves. And now, now I've got some critical thinking monsters. And they're like, so mom, this happened at school, you know, X, Y, Z. But don't worry, I was able to like, you know, whatever, X, Y, Z. And it's fine now. And I'm like, wow. Like you didn't even ask for help. (laughs) And now as a mom, I'm like sad about that. But I'm glad that they are thinking it through. Even if I would have done something different, it's, it's not the point. They're, they're practicing, they're fine-tuning, they're working that muscle. Um, but it does get a little out of hand when they try and solve my problems. Like, I'll have a lack of judgment or something doesn't go wrong. You know, have you ever looked at yourself and you're like, why did I do that? <laughs> that made no sense. And you can just laugh at yourself, you know. So I'll share with them or they'll see it happen. And they'll be like, well, I could have told you that was going to happen. You didn't think that went through. <laughs> like be quiet (laughs) you know like I told you I'd turn them in to monsters little sassy critical thinking monsters okay so after you prompt and help either your colleagues like if you're in a coaching cycle helping a teacher work through problems and you're prompting or whether you're working with students and prompting that's the first step is building that pathway of layering question by question to help them think oh this is the process of thinking and it feels like this and it's piece by piece it's not this big like what's the answer you know it's just like hmm let me think about this part and this part and this part 
The second piece is a past problem. So yes, it takes longer to allow someone time and space to think for themselves. And that can get really frustrating when it's like, you know, the answer or you're, you know, don't have the time to waste. But instead of just feeding them the answer, we need to be thinking about the long game. So point them back to a previous problem they've had. And you don't have to know what their problems were. But you're, remember, you're guiding them like, have you been in a similar situation before? And what did you do when that happened? You know, that's going to build their confidence that, oh, yeah, I did succeed before. I was able to think by myself before. And then, you know, that they've been able to solve. And it gives them an idea of what to try. Like, oh, yeah, I did that last time. Maybe that applies in this situation. So always bringing up the past might be helpful. The third thing is to flip it. Sometimes you feel so lost that you you know the solution you need, but you don't know how to get there. So have them talk about what is the solution you desire? What are you wanting to happen? And then let's work backwards <laughs> in many steps until we find out where we're standing right now. And, and that alleviates a lot of the overwhelm of where do I turn first? But when you know where you're going, it's much easier to work backwards. If you ever do those little puzzles, <laughs> the maze that you have to work through, I always tell my kids, just go backwards. <laughs> start at the end and, and go to the start. It's so much easier that way. Okay, and the last one is celebrate. So no matter how long it took, no matter how ugly the process was, celebrate the journey. And the fact that they got a solution regardless, like I said, if the solution's the best one out there, doesn't matter. You've come up with something. This is going to motivate them to be future problem solvers because it felt good. They were acknowledged for the hard work. It really wasn't that bad. They figured it out on their own. They got the confidence. And you are motivating them to continue to practice that. So that process was four steps. So to get critical thinking going, whether it's a classroom or school building, prompt is the first step. Go to a past problem is the second step. Flip it, work it backwards is the third. And celebrate is the fourth. And so when we think about motivation and confidence building and using prior experiences and having a knowledgeable guide prompting along, those are just four keys to developing critical thinking that lasts. And that's what we want. We want critical thinking kids turning into critical thinking adults. And we need to surround ourselves with critically thinking adults. And we can build that as part of the culture. The expectation is that you're a problem solver. You think through it first. One of my old principals said, there are problems to solve and we're coming together to solve them, but don't stop at the problem. I was like, well, then why are we coming together? <laughs> you know, but what she meant was come with some solutions, some options and then we can think it through. One, it takes a lot of time to talk about a problem and come up with solutions, so we're wasting time. So if you've done some of the front-loading, some of that thinking, and you're like, here's some options, it's much easier to weed them out or build on them to create the best one. And then we don't become complainers and complacent and expect someone else to be uh, Oz, right, and like fix all the problems. It's like, no, we got this. We're going to fix it ourselves. Here are some options. So I hope you found this helpful. Please forgive me for this being something that drives me crazy. And maybe you're like, yeah, me too. And so I don't feel so crazy on my own. But trust me when I tell you, now that you are alerted to it, you're going to see it everywhere. And you're like, no, <laughs> don't let that critical thinking snowball into something bigger. Like we can't allow that to happen. But now you're armed, you know exactly what to do, right? Prompt, pass problem, flip it, celebrate. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on acknowledging the critical thinking gap in ourselves and others and creating a plan to develop that muscle for long-term results. 
Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. Empowered.